Do you love Jesus this morning? Come on. Man, this is just so awesome to be here. You know, it's, uh, it's just amazing. I've known Jim and, and Lisa for, man, is it like 17 years now, Jim? I met Jim when I was, uh, man, 2003, I came to know Christ, and, and I was just really getting plugged into my church, and we had Jim come to our church, and uh, he kind of freaked me out the first time. You ever had that feeling the first time you meet Jim? And he's just like, he's just got that prophetic look where it's like he's, look, he's, not, he's not looking at you, he's looking through you. And you're just like, he knows every sin I did probably in the last two months right now as I'm speaking to him. But uh, you know what's been so amazing is, is to get to know uh, Jim and Lisa's heart. Their heart is just, uh, it just, it just oozes, if I can use that word, love and passion and, uh, and sacrifice for the next generation. And uh, can we just put our hands together for Jim and Lisa to celebrate this? Because, uh, you know, my wife and I were part of the pastoral leadership team of Hill City Church in uh, Abbotsford, B.C., so that is, that is in Canada, Canada. Um, if, if you can't understand my accent, you know, we can maybe get a translator and, and uh, come help. And, but, uh, you know, Jim has had such a profound impact on, on our lives, on our family. We have five boys, and if we can make your prayer list, that would be great. Just keep us, keep us, uh, keep hammering the doors of heaven for us. That'd be great. Um, but uh, I just know that my life would not be what it is if it wasn't for the ministry and for what God has, has released in Jim and Lisa Anderson. And what God has released through them and, and the heart that they carry in. Um, just really, really quickly here is I don't have a ton of time and I'm long-winded at best. Um, in November, my wife and I, we started a, a ministry dedicated to declaring God's design, the truth of God's design for sexuality, the hope of restoration, and to see a generation empowered in their destiny in Jesus called the Union. And uh, it, it is, I want to say this, Jim and, and Lisa, it is because of you. It's because of your sacrifice and what God did in you and your willingness to, to release that and to impart that, that that's, this is why we're doing this. And um, so that's a brief plug. If you want to get your phone out really quick and go to Instagram and add the union movement and uh, give us a follow if you like, we love that. And uh, you can check out theunionmovement.com and uh, where every voice matters. Every voice matters. This is my wife really quick. Bonnie, I want you to stand up, wave your hands. This is my beautiful wife. Been married for just over just over 11 years, five kids. You do the math. Praise the Lord. Man finds a wife, he finds a good thing. Expect a few more amens there, but that's all right. Probably got a few single people here. That's all right. Got the right crowd. Do you have your Bibles this morning? Yeah, you got your Bibles. Cool. Why don't we go to Genesis chapter 39? Genesis chapter 39, if you're sitting beside somebody and they don't have their, they don't have their Bible, it's because they haven't memorized, so you should feel privileged and honored to sit next to such people. Genesis 39 and verse 5 says this, it says, it came about that from that time he made, so this is talking about Joseph, so actually I'll start in verse 4 real quick, so Joseph found favor in the sight and became his personal servant, and he made him overseer of his house. And he's talking, this is talking about serving in Potiphar's house. He was like the Egyptian uh, secret service. Okay, and he made him overseer of his house, 
and all that he owned he put in his charge. Now verse 5, it came about that from, time, from the time he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house on account of Joseph. Thus the Lord's blessing was upon all that he owned in the house and in the field. So he left everything he owned in Joseph's charge. And with him he did not concern himself with anything except the food which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Don't you just love it when the Bible just like speaks to you and you can just relate with it? You know what I mean? Is there anybody else that's just like, oh, that's just a word for me, you know? Come on, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and it came about after these events that his master's wife, check this out, Potiphar's wife, looked with desire at Joseph. And she said, lie with me. How many know they weren't talking about having a nap? How, how many know they weren't talking about, like, Potiphar's wife's like, hey, Joseph, I want you to tell me a lie. I, don't, I want you to lie to me, Joseph. No. She's saying, Joseph, I want you to sleep with me. I want to have sex with you. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house, and he has put all that he owns in my charge. There is no one greater in this house than I, and he has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then, I love this, how then could I do this great evil and sin against God? Not just sin against your husband, not just sin against you, but Joseph's heart was so positioned, even in all the things he had gone through up until this moment, it was about to get even worse. He's like, how could I live, how could I do this and sin against God? Verse 10, and she spoke to Joseph day after day, and he did not listen to her to lie beside her or be with her. Now it happened one day that he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the household were there. She caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and went outside. And when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and, he had, and had fled outside, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought in a Hebrew to us to make sport of us. He came in to lie here with me, and I screamed. I'm just going to go there for the sake of, I'm just going to stop there for the sake of time. So Joseph ends up getting thrown in prison and falsely accused, obviously. But we're going to just dissect this, and I want to preach to you on the topic for the next 12 minutes and 50 seconds. From the topic, do not answer the door. Do not answer the door. Why don't you just pray with me? Father, thank you so much for your word, God, that it's alive, it's living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, Lord. It speaks right to the core of our being, and we're asking these next few moments, Holy Spirit, that you would cause our, our ears to be inclined to hear what you're speaking to us, that our hearts would be open to receive your, the work you're wanting to do in us, and that, God, you would burst something in us today. God, you would give us tools and power and the insight needed, God, to live a victorious life in you and to be a voice for righteousness in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. amen. Have you ever been tempted? I've been tempted. 
I like hate temptation. Anybody else hate temptation? And I, like, here, I want to say this. I don't want, I'm not just saying, hey, have you ever been tempted like you were tempted to maybe open up a fake email account so you can get Netflix for an extra three months for free? I'm not, I'm not talking about that kind of temptation. I'm talking about, have you ever been tempted to maybe look at some naked person on the internet? Have you ever been tempted to respond to a text message from somebody that you know is not wanting to organize a prayer meeting? Have you ever been tempted? I have. Anybody else? So why, why are you looking at me like that? Just come on. like It's like the worst, isn't it? Like, I'm one of those people that, like, really believes and really loves the part in the Lord's Prayer where it says, lead us not into temptation. But the reality is, you and I, we live in a fallen world. We live even in a broken down body that is corrupt and is being corrupted. But God is redeeming and restoring all the things. But we live in the here and now where we have desires and we have thoughts and we have inklings and we have pullings of our flesh and the lusts of our flesh to do things that really if we were able to tap in to your mind and project the thoughts that even you've maybe had over these last few minutes onto a screen would probably bring embarrassment to us all. But that's the world we live in. That's what we deal with. That's, we deal with those temptations. We deal with those thoughts. Have you ever read this verse in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15? It says this. Can you just put it up on the screen real quick? It's right behind me. For we do not have a high priest, check this out, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things. I was thinking about this, all things, Jesus? All things. So you, are you saying some of the stuff that I deal with, some of the thoughts that I deal with, even as a pastor, as somebody who's starting a ministry that's dedicated for God's design of sexuality to help people see the restoration that Jesus brings and to bring it empowered in their destiny? Some of the crazy stuff that comes through my mind from time to time? Jesus knows what that's like. Because he's a high priest and he's compassionate. He knows what it's like to live in this body. He knows what it's like to have desires. But if we're going to look into it some more, we also know that he knows what it's like to overcome. He knows what it's like to not be bound by your desires. I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but sometimes when you're feeling tempted, it's, it just starts to play games with your head, right? You have a thought, and maybe you don't, maybe it's just kind of left unchecked. And then you have another thought, and you have another thought, and you realize, you start to think that, oh, my goodness, this is who I am. Maybe this is who I am. Maybe this is what I'm about. Maybe, maybe all this Christianity stuff, maybe all this loving Jesus stuff is just a facade. Maybe I'm a fake. Maybe I'm just a, I'm just a hypocrite like everybody else. And I want to say this. You are not your desires. You are not your inklings. You are not your lustful poles. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And the enemy, man, I, have you ever looked in Luke chapter 4 where you see Jesus being tempted? He, Satan's played such a weird game 
with Jesus, with the word, he starts quoting the word to the word. How many of you know that's going to end badly? The Satan starts to exegete the scriptures, and Jesus is like, mm, nobody talks about the word better than me. But he starts to play this game. He says, if you are the son of God. We realize that just in that chapter before Jesus being baptized, the Holy Spirit comes down and rests upon Jesus, and there's this voice from heaven that says what? This is my son, my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. So it was already clearly established that Jesus was the son of God. Your position in Christ is sure. Your position in Christ is steadfast. It's concrete. You cannot be moved out of the hand of God. I believe that. I believe in that saving power of Jesus. But the enemy will always try to get you to question who you are to, get to, try, to try to get you to work for who you are. Because what does Satan say? If you are the son of God, turn this stone into bread. Start showing me something, son of God. Start working for it. And so you and I, we face sexual temptation. We face a lustful thought. And then what starts to happen? Oh, my goodness. You know what it probably is? is I'm not serving enough in the church. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not going to this prayer meeting. I'm not going to that prayer meeting. And before you know it, you're developing a, a, a system within your own heart that is working for grace. And you become a slave. And when you are a slave, you have no power to overcome. See, we need to understand something. Satan's not trying to get you to worship him and get 666 tattooed across your chest and go to a seance or something. He's just trying to get you to be a slave in the church or out of the church. <clears throat> Man, it's so crazy. I don't know if you've read the story in Genesis, but talking about Jacob and his brother Esau. Have you ever read that story? If you're not familiar, Jacob has a, has a brother named Esau, and it says that he's really hairy. Are you ever wonder, like, why do we put these things in the Bible? Like, that's just kind of creating an image in my head that I just don't really need right now. But it says that, you know, Esau was kind of like a hunter. He was a man's man. You know what I mean? And uh, he was out hunting or whatever, and Jacob's making a stew. Esau comes back and is like, oh, my goodness, I'm hungry. You ever been in that place, feeling weak, feeling tired? What gets offered up in those moments? Jacob making a stew. It's like, hey, Esau, you hungry? Got some stew over here. He says, like, of course I'm hungry. He's like, okay, but wait, hold on a second, Esau. I want your birthright. I want, let, let me understand. So we don't understand because we're North American people. We're not Hebrew. We don't understand what the birthright meant. It meant, like, you get the keys to the city, homie. You get the gold key. You're getting the ring. You're getting everything. You're getting authority. You're getting money. You're getting power. He says, I just want your birthright, Esau. Esau's like, what good is that to me right now? I'm dying over here. Give me some stew. You can have whatever you want. You know what's crazy, man? This is, Esau eventually comes to his senses and realizes, oh, he's gone too far. Do you know what's crazy, man? Is the enemy is trying to get you to hand over 
the blessing and the destiny and the calling and the purpose that Christ has purchased for your life. And I'm afraid that there's maybe some people here today, you're listening to me going, oh, man, I don't know. Does really God have a plan and a purpose for my life? I don't feel like, what, what good is this, this blessing? What good is this destiny that Jesus has? I, there's no hope. I'm dying over here. I'm hungry. And I want you to know that there's a love that can satisfy every desire in your heart. There's a love that is stronger than death. I'm afraid that there's people here today, you're handing in your destiny for one experience on a computer screen. You're handing in your destiny for one Snapchat moment. But I believe today that God wants to, to deposit something in your spirit, to have a greater vision of your life, that when Satan comes and knocks at that door, when Satan comes and knocks at the door, you're like, you're not getting in here, buddy. Because my life is not my own. Because I look at Joseph's life. Can you imagine if Joseph in that moment had said, hey, nobody's going to see. Potiphar, he trusts me with everything. He's, he wouldn't think I would do something like this. I know I could get away with it. Do you realize that the enemy in that moment wasn't just after Joseph? Because there was going to be a famine in the land. There was going to be something coming. That God was going to raise up Joseph and use him to provide for, the, for an entire generation, an entire people group. I want you to know your battle's not just about you. When you're fighting that, when you see that computer screen, you need to stand up and be like, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're not getting in here. I was made for good works, which God purposed before the foundations of the world for me to walk in. I have a destiny, I have a purpose, I have a hope and a calling. See, I think in Romans 5, if you could put that verse up really quickly, just as we kind of sort of come to a close. That means nothing when you're a preacher. It's just. <laughs> Romans 5, 19, it says, for as, for as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. All right, we're talking about Adam. This is the one man. Even so, through the obedience of the one, see how the, the one, the O is capitalized? Who are we talking about? the obedience of Jesus, the many will be made righteous. Could, could I just suggest something, that we're called to walk in the same way that Jesus walked, that his life of obedience was not just for himself, but was looking for the generations to come and say, I'm going to live a life to deposit something in those who are going to be behind me, to leave an inheritance. You know what's amazing is my five boys are not going to have to grow up with the same garbage I grew up in. I was exposed to pornography as a young man at five years old, before the internet. But that sink in. My, my young men, my, my boys are going to grow up not having that garbage in their life. Because of the choices I made to not quit, to not fight. Do you know that a righteous man falls seven times and seven times he gets up again? Getting up again is a righteous act, folks. Getting up again is an act of worship. Getting up again is, is bringing praise and honor to God because Jesus is worth getting up for again. I don't know what you did yesterday. I don't even know what you did just before you came here. Getting up again is worth it. Just as we close here, I want to just quickly, in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says this. 
It says, no temptation is overtaking you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful. God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. Have you ever read that verse and been like, where's this escape? Is there a hatch or a door that I'm missing here? Because I feel trapped. I feel overcome. I feel overwhelmed. I want you to know that Jesus is the door. Jesus is the way of escape. When you can stop in that moment when that temptation's coming your way and you start to think about the love of Jesus, you start to think about the life that he gave, that he poured out for you, that he willingly wants to give you. And you think about the destiny and the calling, nobody in that moment, when we really encounter the love of God and the reality of who he is, nobody in that moment is gonna choose some sort of crazy momentary experience that leaves you empty, gross, and disgusting, feeling disgusted. Can we just do something? If you're, I wanna, if there's leaders here, and, and you know what, just anybody, can we just commit again to live a life of sacrifice, a life of discomfort for the comfort of those behind us again? Young man, your fight is not for yourself. Young lady, the battle that you're facing is not just for you. There's those who are counting on your obedience. There's those who are on the other side of your obedience. So, Father, in this moment right now, we, as a, as a people right now, God, determine in our own spirit, God, to fight the fight of faith, to not give up and to not quit, God, for those behind us, for the generations behind us, in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen.